The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. As I do each week, let me take a moment to open the program by welcoming members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet today, as well as new listeners on affiliates in San Francisco, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, New York City, and throughout all 50 states. Thank you for making us part of your news week. In just a moment, the former House Majority Leader known as the Hammer, Mr. Tom DeLay, will be joining us to talk about the need for ethics oversight in Congress to stop the recent shenanigans designed to court media attention and also weigh in on the current race to the White House. But before Mr. DeLay joins us, let me tell you a little about his background. Thomas Dale DeLay was born in Laredo, Texas, and is a graduate of the University of Houston. His start in politics began in 1978 when he was elected to the Texas House of Representatives. Six years later, DeLay was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. In 1988, he was appointed Deputy Minority Whip. And in 1995, Mr. DeLay was elected House Majority Whip. Then in 2002, following the midterm elections, DeLay was tapped to serve as House Majority Leader, where he is credited with unifying Republicans in the House. Mr. DeLay stepped down from his post in 2005 and co-authored the book No Retreat, No Surrender, and also founded the strategic consulting firm called First Principles. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report former House Majority Leader, Mr. Tom DeLay. Thank you for joining us today, Congressman. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Now, I have to tell you, I have been looking forward to talking to you ever since you came out in favor of charging members of Congress who use sit-ins, endless filibusters, and other stunts to get media attention with ethics violations. So I want to start there. Specifically, what kind of ethics provisions are in place to stop Congress from becoming a three-ring circus? And, And more importantly, what good does it do to charge a member of Congress with an ethics violation? Well, if you don't mind, Rebecca, let me also start by finishing your your opening uh, about me. I also have a book that just came out called Revival, Revolution, Rebirth that is co-authored with uh, Wallace Henley, a good friend of mine, uh, that uh, we, we might be able to talk about later. But to answer your question, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, the decorum of the House and keeping that decorum is tantamount in the ability for the House to operate. When you have 435 plus uh, some uh, territorial members, um, it's very difficult to herd those cats and pass legislation in, in the first place. So you have to have a set of rules and ethics rules that allow members to work together uh, without being disrupted by crass po- politics or unethical behavior. And that's what I was, I was talking about when uh, a number of Democrats who were upset, by the way, the Democrats are in the minority, they don't get to set the agenda, but they were upset that uh, some bills that they had on gun control uh, would not be heard on the House floor and therefore did a sit-in on the floor, violating almost every decorum rule in the House of Representatives 
Um, and uh, I, I, I think the speaker handled it well, but these members should not uh, get away from the consequences of their actions. Uh, the, the future operation of the House is, is incumbent that members be punished when they break the rules of the House. But when you talk about a punishment, what kind of punishment is available for disrupting uh, regular business? Well, there's all kinds of things that you can use from taking away their parking spaces uh, to uh, taking them off of committees or just sanctioning them. Uh, um, You can sanction. There's all kinds of sanctions depending on on their behavior. Uh, a, A sanction against a member is is very embarrassing and detrimental to their reputation, not the least of which when you're sanctioned for ethics charges, you have to go back home to your district and answer uh, to your opponents uh, the reason for your uh, disrupting the, the and violating the rules of the House. That, that, that gives your opponents a, a leg up when you're standing for re-election. Now, we have a lot of uh, government leaders uh, that appear on the program here, and they, they seem to say that stunts like this have always taken place, and this isn't anything new. What do you say to that? Not like this. This disrupted the, the, uh, the House uh, operation. Uh, uh, it disrupted the ability for the House to do its business. Um, it intimidated, frankly, the Speaker, where he basically shut down the House because of this kind of action. You can't allow that kind of, of uh, action on the, in the people's house to shut down the action. There's been all kinds of political stunts, and you know, I don't like them, but the, they're pulled. But it, disrupting the business of the house is, is a very serious matter. Mm-hmm. So in your view, why hasn't anyone brought ethics charges against the flamboyant actors? I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Well, there must be I, I, a reason because you're saying that there there are definitely policy violations. There are, there are ethics rules of conduct. Right. You can't disrupt the business of Congress without uh, experiencing some consequence. And yet, n- nobody. I would assume that the uh, the Speaker of the House would take an action, but nothing really happened. Well, unfortunately, uh, let me put it this way. I. I, I, it's not over yet, so we may still see some ethics charges being filed. Uh, uh, filing ethics charges takes a little while. You got to get lawyers to write. It's like it's like filing a criminal charge. I mean, you just don't walk in and say, "I file an ethics charge." You've got to you've got to do your due diligence, and you got to put uh, the whole matter together, and you got to go through all the videos, and then you have to get lawyers to write the charges, uh, and then the. Uh, the ethics committee uh, looks at them, unbeknownst to a lot of people. I don't know for because uh, ethics committees' uh, deliberations are all secret most of the time. Uh, so I, we don't know that there haven't been ethics charges filed. Yeah, so. but unfortunately, every psychologist will tell you that uh, the span of time between uh, you know acting out. And the punishment, the longer that span of time goes, the less effective the punishment is. Well, that may be true. But, you know, it, <laughs> now it's at the it's at risk of just looking like it's just, uh, you know, it's a it's a political stunt in and of itself. I yeah. mean, too much time goes by. It looks like a stunt that, you know, you're just punishing people for no reason. And you may, it may be. I don't know uh, this for a fact, but. Uh, a, a lot of the punishments may go unnoticed. Only the members themselves will see it. For instance, losing their seat on a particular committee in the next Congress, which is coming up in six months. That's right. Um, and those kinds of things can be done without much fanfare, but the member himself knows he's been punished. Yeah, well, now you have said that you are concerned with the lack of decorum, and you've even said that some of these stunts desecrate a public institution that belongs to the people of the United States and not the congressional members themselves. I guess you're implying that they don't have a right to act any way that they want to. That's exactly right. That's the people's house. They are representatives of the people, and a lot of of members think that those seats that they sit in are theirs. 
and those seats are not theirs. The, those seats belong to to the people in their district, and and that's a big, big uh, deal uh, or a big, big difference between members, uh, members that serve their district or members that serve themselves. That's right. Well, it sounds like a bad case of entitlement to me. We have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. When we come back, we'll find out whether decorum has anything to do with Mr. DeLay's reluctance to endorse his party's presidential nominee. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Now, many would say that Caraccioli Cellars was a dark horse in this worldwide competition. Definitely. We didn't expect for that to happen. Entering this competition is something I would do it just to get the tasting notes and the feedback from Tom. Tom Stevenson is the bubbles critic. He lives for sparkling wines across the world. And at the very beginning when we started this project, Michelle always said that Tom's opinion was the one that mattered the most in terms of if we're making good bubbles and if we're going in the right direction. And then to win awards and win best of class awards and ultimately the best sparkling wine in the U.S., it's definitely affirmation that we're going in the right direction. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone, 831-622-7722. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmitted. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data. Care from the Heart is a dedicated and professional home health care agency that's been serving families in the Tri-County Monterey Bay area for over 18 years. We help our clients and their families handle health challenges with determination, love, and humor. When you work with Care from the Heart, we provide assistance with the utmost respect. Your team will consist of nurses, case managers, and home care specialists who will listen and you will design a flexible program to fit your specific needs, either short-term or long-term. You might need help with medication, personal hygiene, meal preparation, transportation, companionship, household chores, or pet care. We can even help you with the dreaded insurance paperwork. If the time has come when you must step into the role of caregiver for a family member, naturally you'll have questions and concerns. Care from the Heart offers classes that provide specific information and skills you'll need to become the positive and supportive influence your family member deserves. And we protect against caregiver burnout by offering periodic respite care for you. Whatever your individual situation, now or in the future, help is available. For a complimentary consultation, Call us at 831-476-8316. We can come to you or you are welcome to visit our office in Santa Cruz near Dominican Hospital. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. This is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law. Stephen Wagner and I are pleased to announce the new program time for our weekly discussion of law and public policy. We pick legal topics that affect each one of us right out of the weekly headlines. Join us live every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Remember, if you don't know the law, know a lawyer.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former House Majority Leader Mr. Tom DeLay, who has a new book out titled Revival, Revolution, Rebirth, which we're going to be talking about in just a moment. Now, Mr. DeLay, you have made no secret about the fact that you need a little time to decide whether you can endorse Donald Trump or not. Uh, Given your strong feelings about the decorum that uh, we have a right to expect from Congress, how much of your reluctance has to do with his behavior and how much of it's related to policy differences? Well, Rebecca, I... Coming into this election, I, I really believe that this, or I thought that this election would be the crossroads for our country. And that's what I, why I wrote this book that you just mentioned. I, I felt very strongly that we had to stop the leftists uh, in this country. We had to stop, uh, we had to put God back into the public square. We had to, to bring the Constitution back to the core of our government. Uh, and that we were set to have that kind of, of debate uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans, and the people would choose which direction uh, they wanted the country to go in, towards more socialism, socialism or, uh, or more towards a constitutional government. Um, unfortunately, as it, as it worked out, the Republicans nominated a man that not only doesn't practice his faith that he claims he has, but does, doesn't does understand the Constitution or maybe has never even read the Constitution. Um, and therefore, uh, we have a man of, of questionable character um, running as, as a Republican. I, my vote is extremely important to me. Uh, I, my, my endorsement is very important to me. Uh, and it's very difficult for me, uh, a person that has, I think, stood on constitutional principles my entire career, to support or endorse someone that uh, has no, no understanding nor care if we return to constitutional principles. And I'm being proven right. Well, I can hear the conflict in your voice. I hear you're struggling with this. I am struggling with it. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to the to the voting booth right now. I'm going to wait and see. I don't. I don't want to endorse someone that might embarrass me later that I endorsed him. Um, It seems like. uh, But on the other hand, God forbid that Hillary Clinton becomes president of the United States. So it's like Cal Thomas, the columnist, said. Uh, a couple of months ago, we are always forced to pick between the lesser of two evils. But for the first time in history, we have the evil of the two lessers. Wow, that's interesting. You know, uh, Ralph Nader had said that uh, the lesser of two evils is still evil. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there you go, right? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, but recently, 50 Republican uh, national security leaders came together and they signed a letter saying that Trump would be a dangerous president. Did they do the right thing speaking out, in your view? I think we all have to speak out. We cannot just uh, crawl in a hole and, and allow this to happen. Uh, we have to set ourselves up for whoever's president. Now, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to avoid conversations like this, but at the same time, I'm focused on down ballot. I, I th- I'm urging yeah. people to use their resources for uh, 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 the, the races down ballot. We have to hold on to a conservative Senate. We have to hold on to a conservative House in order to stand up to whoever's president. Of the but, United you know, I, I think conversations like this are important because I'm one of the few radio hosts who has gone national and said, I am undecided. I am that voting block that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have got to get to. And I am so conflicted because it's my patriotic duty to vote. Yes. And, and, and since I was 18 years old, I have voted in every election. And I don't think I can this time around. And I am I'm deeply disturbed by that. Look, uh, regardless of what, you, you know, how we may feel conflicted about Trump, he won the primaries fair and square. Well, the way I look at it, and especially to those people that uh, beat up on me for not uh, for uh, electing Hillary, you know, how many times have you heard it said, if you don't support Trump, you're electing Hillary. Well, I don't agree with that. The people that nominated 
Trump elected Hillary. Um, and it's their responsibility to get Trump elected if they can. And it's their responsibility to appeal to people like you and me uh, and talk about things that are important to us, not just patronize us, yeah, but, that's right. but understand from where we're coming. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Trump comes out with his economic plan uh, just this week. Um, that's a Democrat plan. Uh, it, it, it's amazing to me that people don't, don't see his economic plan as a Democrat plan. Uh, it's, it's, it's progressive. It even, it even starts a new welfare program for do, uh, child day, uh, daycare. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it interferes with free trade and open trade. It, it, I could go on and on and on describing his plan. It's not a conservative constitutional uh, uh, economic plan. It's, it's more like what a conservative Democrat would write. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no question that Mr. Trump has got uh, is is a shifting. I guess the best word, I, the kindest word I can use is his platform is evolving. It's shifting. Uh, and he has a tendency to say things which uh, incite a lot of emotion uh, from those who support and oppose his candidacy. But on the other hand, it seems like that unpolished, unscripted recklessness is also what makes him seem authentic and that seems to be resonating with voters. What do you make oh, I of that? I, I totally agree. Right? And that's why I, I, we, we had some, some excellent candidates in the Republican primary um, that, that spoke that way. I mean, uh, Ben Carson, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Bobby Jindal, Scott Walker. John I mean, Kasich. John yeah. Kasich. Excellent. Uh, excellent yeah. governor. Great so, track record. Yeah, well, and, and speaking out, uh, but Donald Trump did it in such an outrageous way. People, people, I understand what they're going through. I, I, I have the same emotion. The Republican leadership over the last 10 years uh, has, has really been suspect, and it's really sad when the American people in 2010 and 2012 um, and um, 2014, excuse me, uh, sent good, solid Christian conservative, constitutional conservatives uh, to, to Washington, and the leadership sitting in Washington um, uh, stopped them from doing what the people wanted. And the people are reacting to that. It's their fault that this is mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Trump. Is, well, it seems like they're choosing authenticity over any specific policies or programs. People like the fact that he's an outsider, he's real, he's tangible, and they have some hope he'll get something done. They don't seem to be choosy about what that something is. That's the point. They don't yeah. care what the something is. They're going to be very disappointed if he becomes president and and the Republican Congress just rubber stamps what he wants done. I mean, almost every policy, and you can name any one of them, and I'll give you uh, the, the policies that he's put forth, are liberal. Well, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. We have to take another scheduled break. We'll return after these brief messages from today's sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. 
Not available in all states. Whoa, what do you have there? It's a Reese and Irvy's frozen yogurt. We just had our robot make one. A robot made your frozen yogurt? Yes, from Reese and Irvy's, the world's first fully interactive robot vending machine that serves nine flavors of delicious yogurt with six amazing toppings. And it's available for an exclusive franchise opportunity. Wait, you mean I can own my own frozen yogurt robots? And make money at the same time. These robots are the future of frozen yogurt franchising. They can be placed almost anywhere and operate 24-7. Malls, theme parks, grocery stores, you name it. A robot that serves frozen yogurt. That's revolutionary. Exactly. Reese and Irvy's Froyo robots are taking the market by storm. No more messy yogurt bars, long lines, or do-it-yourself machines. Just delicious frozen yogurt in 60 seconds or less. Anytime, anywhere. How do I get my own Reese and Irvy's robots? It's easy, but you better act now. Locations and machines are going fast. Just go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 1919. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 1919. Hi, Register Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Appearances are deceiving. This is a common theme in life, and it's nowhere more true than with the health of our skin. We're all influenced by what we see in our everyday lives, in our interactions with our world, in everything we come upon. We assess what is real with our senses and through the perspective of our past experiences. In nature, a calm blue ocean surface can mask a chaotic cacophony of color and livingness and death. And in biology, a seemingly still human body hides the reality of a seething, roiling cauldron of chemistry where shape-shifting molecules are eternally morphing in unimaginable numbers and steps and stages. This is true in life, and it's true in our bodies. And it's particularly true about our skin. The skin is a multi-layered structure made up of various components. And the fact that it's multi-layered means that to get the best effect from our skincare products, we have to recognize the layer that we're trying to address. Dry skin? You want to work on the upper layer. Use vitamin C-containing products. Omega-6 fatty acids can be helpful, too. For dark spots, you want to work on the skin surface by applying lemon juice, vinegar, or red wine, and also on pigment cells located in the lower skin layers. Use the ingredients like vitamin A as retinol and maybe herbal extracts of licorice, bear claw, and turmeric. For wrinkles and thinning skin, you have to go deeper still. And for the most part, when it comes to topically applied ingredients, only vitamin A and vitamin C can work at these levels. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us today, my guest is Tom DeLay. And before we went to break, we were beginning to talk about some of the specific issues the next president will face, uh, issues such as immigration. So uh, let me ask you, as a lifelong conservative, uh, would you be in favor of more restrictive immigrant screening and building a wall, or, or do you think Trump's on the wrong course there? No, I think he's on. I think he's on the right course, except except when you really delve into his immigration policy, you'll find that he's to the left of Hillary Clinton, um, because um, our immigration policy, whether legal or illegal immigration, should be for in the national interest. We shouldn't have an immigration po- policy that just has open borders and says, "Okay, anybody in the world can come to America." Uh, we should only allow people to come to America in the best interest of, uh, of our national sovereignty, people that can produce, people that can participate in our societies and build this country, help build this country up. Um, Donald Trump, for instance, he builds a wall. I want to build a wall. I, I was born in Laredo on the border of Texas. I know that we need a wall on the length of our border. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Trump says he, he wants to snap back, um, which is a way he gets to citizenship. Those mm-hmm. illegals that are here can just uh, buy a day's ticket to go back to Mexico, refile and come back in, quote, legally and apply for uh, citizenship. 
that's that, that that does nothing to stem the tide of legal or illegal immigration coming in this country and having order in our immigration system. Right, but I think what he's trying to do is uh, actually get the illegal immigrants to go on record as and become legal immigrants. It doesn't do anything about those that have not gotten here yet. Uh, but it sounds like that's what he's trying to do. But from a practical standpoint, can you really expect every illegal immigrant to go back for a few days and reapply and stand in line and then come back? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't enforce the laws. <laughs> well, we already Remember, have laws and we don't enforce them. I, I know, but that's the whole <laughs> point. The reason we where we are today is because the President of the United States won't enforce our immigration laws. Right. We have laws uh, we that we don't, really don't enforce. We don't need any new laws, yeah. Uh, yeah. to be honest with you. We just need to enforce the ones that we have. Uh, boy, uh, you're singing my song there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how about uh, Trump's economic and trade policies? Do, do you agree with his tax plan, for example? No, it's a progressive tax plan. He goes, he goes to three. Uh, that is unconstitutional, number one. He does go down to three uh, 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 tax bases, um, uh, and I appreciate that. I mean, I would be for it if it came to the floor. But this is a time for bold action. Most Americans want a flat tax or at least a, a uh, national sales tax. Um, in, in place of the income tax. That if you go back to the Constitution, social engineering through tax policy is not in the Constitution. And not only does he start a new welfare program uh, by giving total deduction for uh, child care, uh, he, he uh, takes everybody that makes over $30,000 off the tax rolls. Everybody should be paying taxes. And everybody should be paying one rate. <laughs> That's well. Well, he had. I I agree with you. I I you know our our tax code is now up to seventy five thousand pages, which is ridiculous. And I don't think people understand that when you have a seventy five thousand page tax code, this is why General Electric can legally not pay any taxes. You know they've right. got buildings of lawyers that can look for uh, legal loopholes and avoid taxes altogether. So the more you simplify it, you go to a flat tax or a sales tax, anything really. I'm in favor of anything that simplifies it because I think the person on the street makes out better. But in, in all fairness to Trump, he's adopted the Republican tax plan. I mean, he started out with uh, zero taxes for income up to 25000 and then it went 15 20 25%. Um, now he's gone uh, three brackets, 12, uh, 12%, 25%, and 33%. It's a third higher than it was, and my understanding is that was brokered with the uh, Republican uh, leadership. But if we had a constitutional government, as I outline in my book, what it looks like, uh, you would not need more than 10% flat tax, period, uh, to pay for the, the, what the federal government should be doing. So the why problem- isn't the GOP leadership ta- acting like leaders and saying, you know, this uh, progressive tax doesn't go far enough? Uh, some are. I, some of my friends I've noticed in the last couple of days have been speaking out uh, about the, the fact that he uh, and is this the way that Donald Trump's going to, to govern? He, he doesn't know anything about taxes or economic plan. So he pulls together some people that he evidently was told to pull together and they write write a plan that can pass. No, <laughs> when you're running. You don't write a plan that can pass. You write a plan that reflects your values and your vision for the, for this country. Um, yeah, I mean, all this manipulation and stuff is, is what's got us in this trouble that we're in. Uh, there's no difference in having Hillary Clinton's 10 tax rates and, and uh, Donald Trump's three tax rates. It's still the government manipulating the economy. Right, right. Well, I I understand where you're coming from. It doesn't go far enough, and it really doesn't help the person uh, on uh, Main Street. And not uh, only that, he yeah, says, it doesn't. He says nothing about spending. He won't touch entitlements. We have to get. <laughs> we have to eliminate entitlements. Yeah. It, they are unconstitutional, and and we, we need to eliminate entitlements. If you want to keep the programs, 
then budget for it every year. Don't just let it put it on automatic pilot and give people blank checks. Uh, we have got to stop that progressive leftist, I call babalists, um, uh, progress, uh, progressivism uh, of, of, uh, of this nanny state. Almost 50% of the American people today get some benefit from the federal, federal government. Uh, that may, it may be too late. Um, uh, because our founding fathers said that if, if you give the people the largesse of the power of the government, that's the beginning of the end. Well, I know it's not too late because I happen to have a copy of your book. And your book is all about why it's not too late. But but for people that are listening today that are in the same quandary that you and I find ourselves in, where uh, we can't go left and we can't go right, and we know that November is going to creep up on us, when all said and done, if you find that in good conscience you cannot support Donald Trump, what are you going to do? Are you going to abstain from voting? I, I'm, I'm not prepared to say right now. Uh, and I don't have to say till November the 8th. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> that is the right answer, by the way. We don't have to decide till we're standing in that voting booth. Exactly uh, but I, right. I was just hoping you could help me see some wisdom, some way I could find my way to the right answer here. <laughs> well, yeah. I, but I just urge people to, to find the, the, there's some wonderful people in the House of Representatives. There's some wonderful people in the Senate. There's yes, some wonderful there people in the state legislatures. We need to buck them up. We need to, to give them power. We need to get them reelected because those are the people that are going to stand up to whoever's president of the United States. That's right. And I want to remind everybody that it's Congress that holds the purse strings, not the president of the United and States. And it's more than that. I, uh, Rebecca, you know, everybody's saying, oh, but Hillary, our Supreme Court justices. We need, and uh, this is what I say in the book, we need to re-educate the American people on the Constitution. Read Article 3. In Article 3, there's three glaring facts. First fact is, uh, the Supreme Court is the only court that is created by the Constitution. And by the way, it doesn't say how many justices su- serve on the Supreme Court. Congress decides that. Okay. That, is, that, that is absolutely true. We've uh, Unfortunately, we've got to take our final intermission, but stay right where you are. We'll hear more from our guest today, Tom DeLay, and we're going to hear all about his new book. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and drag and 
drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at tableau.com slash Costa. That's tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? Oh, dang. I hit the ceiling again. Man, I haven't done that in a while. You know what, Doug? I have to say, now you've got your new bow and spiffy new arrows from Bullseye Archery, things have gotten a lot better for you. And Jeannie and Larry have taught us both a great deal about archery. Oh, I love it. I go shoot on Mondays at the archery range in Santa Cruz, and it's a beautiful range, and it's a great place to have a good time with your friends. Bullseye Archery is in Scotts Valley, 5299 Scotts Valley Drive, open Tuesday through Friday, 1 to 7, Saturday, 11 to 7. Hello? Hi, Grandma. No, Grandma, I can't fix your computer. I'm sorry it's so slow, but I don't know what to do with it. You clicked on what? You better call user-friendly computing, because I can fix any PC, Mac, or laptop. They'll even come to your house and pick it up. But if you bring it to the shop, they'll give you a free $50 diagnostic just for saying you heard their ad on KSCO. No, Grandma. Downloading that free internet software won't save you time or money. Let's face it. Most of your computer problems these days start with the user being tricked into clicking on a link that contains a path to computer hell. User-friendly computing will have you back on track fast. User-friendly computing is locally owned at 505 River Street across from Gateway Plaza. Or you can give them a call at 831-423-9653. That's 831-423-9653. It's always open house at the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, and you are always invited to walk right in and join the discussion. Hello, I am Mike Young, and I love talking real estate with all the experts and with you. So get a jump on the Real Estate Weekend every Friday, 7 p.m. on the Mike Young Real Estate Hour. Right here on Listen and Be Heard Radio KSCO. The Mike Young Real Estate Hour is brought to you by Thunderbird Real Estate, Real People Selling Real Estate, by Rick Williams at American Pacific Mortgage, and by Steve Manville at Farmers Insurance. Friday at 7. See you then. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and today we're speaking with former House Majority Leader, Mr. Tom DeLay. Now, I have saved the best for last. You have a new book out, Revival, Revolution, Rebirth. Uh, Tell us about this book. Well, it's sort of like a culmination of of my career and, and my thoughts as to where I think this country ought to be going and try and entice people to do so. I believe strongly that it is God who has brought our great freedoms, opportunities, and prosperity through the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And if we remove him from our core, America is lost. God is at the core of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and the Constitution is at the core of our government. And we need to. Re- we need. I, and I call for a revolution for the Constitution. Um, that's what the book is about, and it, and it also shows in practical terms uh, what a constitutional federal government would look like. Um, I know it, it's a radical book <laughs> to some, um, but it is. It, we have got to. People have got to look at their faith. Uh, understand what they believe in, uh, bring God into the public square, and demand that our elected officials stand on the Constitution. I don't think the Constitution is the problem so much as the interpretation of the Constitution. It's the fact that scholars, uh, lawyers, uh, Supreme Court justices will interpret those words in different ways. And it becomes very problematic. Right, exactly. And their interpretation is not law. There's nowhere in the Constitution that when the Supreme Court makes a lawless decision, that is settled law, as as many conservatives think it is. It is not settled law. 
It is an opinion. And as I was saying in the earlier segment, if you read Article 3, there's something very glaring about Article 3. There is no mechanism of enforcement of an opinion by the Supreme Court. Uh, the enforcement of the opinion uh, is by the executive branch and by the legislative branch. So if those two branches choose not to enforce an opinion of, this, uh, of the Supreme Court, their opinion is just that. Their, I mean, their ruling is just that. It's an opinion, and it has no force of law. Um, give you an example. Roe v. Wade is a lawless opinion that is still lawless because Congress or a president, uh, uh, will, uh, especially Congress, will not pass a, a law that will uphold Roe v. Wade or, or, or defy Roe v. Wade. They just left the Supreme Court ruling as, as, as if it were law. That is not the Constitution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and all this notion that, you know, Hillary will point, point these, these judges. Uh, uh, presidents don't appoint judges. They nominate them. The, yes. Supreme, uh, the Senate puts them in their job. And the Senate can decide, for instance, we're not going to fill Scalia's seat. We're going to have 8-8. Eight, eight, and if somebody, I, I personally, because the, the courts are so lawless, uh, we need to take them on and take them on in a big way. I personally would like to see the Supreme Court go down to seven justices. Well, it's very interesting because uh, the military's done uh, conducted tremendous studies on uh, what is the optimal size of group where you get the best uh, decision making, and it turns out it's somewhere between three and eight. Somewhere between three and eight, the sweet spot seems to be around four to seven. And otherwise, you get things like social loafing and politics creep in and so on and so forth, which yeah. is why the average jury is too big. Uh, yeah. So actually, we'd be doing ourselves a big favor by making the Supreme Court a little bit smaller. Our, our first Supreme Court was only five justices. That's correct. And it was very efficient. Yes, yes it was. <laughs> it and, was very, very and, efficient. And it, and it stayed out of politics and stayed out of policymaking. <clears throat> That, that's correct. But I, I think you make a very critical point here that I hope listeners are really, uh, you know, getting some Q-tips, clearing out their ears and really hearing. When the Supreme Court weighs in, they weigh in by giving an opinion. And there's really actually no enforcement attached to that opinion. It's up to the Congress and the executive office to decide uh, whether that will become law and whether there will be enforcement. Right. And, uh, and that's not, I, I think we forget that sometimes. And in Article 3, the Congress, in, in its specific, can limit the jurisdiction of the courts. In other words, Congress can tell the courts what cases they can hear. My last year as majority leader, I passed five bills out of uh, the House of Representatives trying to make this point and, and, and telling them that they couldn't hear a case on prayer in schools. They couldn't hear a case on Ten Commandments on a courthouse collapse. They couldn't hear a case on nativity scenes uh, in a, in a uh, courthouse square. Um, and, and, I go on, and I also passed a bill that broke up the Ninth Circuit. Yes. Um, Congress can do that. <laughs> the, the, the real question is why they don't. Because they're chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, you said it, and, and uh, you know, my hat's off to you. you you've kind of done two things in this uh, discussion today. One, uh, I, I really respect the fact that you're ambivalent about uh, giving your endorsement. It means your endorsement is important to you, and yeah. uh, as mine is. it's My word is my bond, and I yeah. take it seriously, and the proof of that is I don't give it willy-nilly. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, yeah, the Congress has been sort of chicken. They don't want to step out. And as you point out, even on their tax policies, uh, they don't want to step up and do the right thing. Uh, and that makes it difficult. And there's another thing about this book that I want to point out is that you delve into your own personal journey. And I just want to say something on behalf of the media. Uh, I, I know that you have been persecuted by the media and misrepresented. I'm a member of the media now, a reluctant uh-huh. member of the media, and I noticed that when you were acquitted on all charges, uh, nobody was that interested. They were only interested in the witch hunt, and uh, I want to apologize uh, on behalf of 
my new fellow colleagues who uh, fell into that trap. Uh, this is a wonderful story about uh, uh, what you learned from that experience. And uh, I was surprised you're, you're ever willing to do any media appearances after what you were put through. Well, I, I feel very strongly that the media has to be ac- held accountable, just like elected officials. And uh, uh, when you see wrongdoing, people need to speak up. And and uh, and I do. So I don't shirk from it. I will tell you, we were talking about the Congress being chicken. I think, uh, you know, the media is chicken, too. And yeah. uh, they, you know, they tend to just... Uh, uh, report on they're just as bad as the leaders they complain about and uh, that's a shame uh, now lastly before we run out of time do you have a website where people can go to keep up on your views and activities and where they can find your book uh, yes uh, tomdelay.com uh, is a website that's coming up I hope today uh, and of course you can get my book at amazon.com Okay, and and, uh, I want to encourage everybody to go out and take a look at this book. It's called Revival, Revolution, Rebirth. It'll give you a little bit of hope, and it'll certainly educate you on the Constitution and uh, returning to a government that uh, upholds the Constitution. I'm afraid that's all the time that we have uh, left today. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, Mr. DeLay. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you taking time to be with us and come back anytime. Uh, If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Tom DeLay, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And if you missed the full interview, uh, please do take a moment, download the entire episode from our website at RebeccaCosta.com. Boy, you know, that's an easy website to remember, just my name.com. You can also also get it on Apple iTunes, Podbean, and also our YouTube channel. Uh, they post uh, some images and uh, our interviews er- each and every week up on the YouTube channel. My guest next week is former CEO of computing giant IBM, Sam Palmasano. You don't want to miss Pam- Sam Palmasano. Uh, he's going to be here to talk about the challenges that public companies face meeting the short-term expectation of uh, analysts and investors. Um, Boy, you know, nowadays, it's impossible to satisfy the uh, unrealistic expectations of analysts and investors. And uh, Sam Palmasano will tell you what that's really doing to businesses that have long-term R&D projects. And he'll also talk about the essential attributes of successful leaders. So uh, mark your calendars right now. Don't miss the legendary Sam Palmasano next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management